All right, everybody, welcome to a brand new podcast with Annenberg Media Sports Radio. This is three rounds where we go on everything in sports, the best topics, we debate the hottest topics, brand new fresh angles, and we are all USC students. My name is Skylar Treppel. I will be the moderator today. We're going to have a whole panel of moderators. I'm a graduate student here, lover of all things sports, involved in everything I can be. And let's meet our analyst. Christian, how you doing, man? Doing Tell us well. a little bit about yourself. Doing well. Um, yeah, born and raised in L.A., uh, specialized journalism major right now, grad student, uh, lover of all things sports as well. Uh, you know, just again, you know, I was an athlete here at, at USC um, in, you know, 20, 2014, 20, 2016, 2017. Um, and, and, yeah, just looking forward to, to discussing this for sure. Awesome. Sam, how about you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm a, I'm a sophomore journalism student from central Illinois, um, right awesome. on the dividing line between that Cubs-Cardinals rivalry. So yeah. Cubs fan by day and uh, Dodgers fan by right now since they're playing that wild card game <laughs> no against doubt, the Cardinals. No doubt, no doubt. Legit. Yeah, that's happening right now as yeah. we're recording. So I uh, can't Legit. debate on it quite yet, but that'll be interesting to follow for sure. Ooh, man. No doubt, no <laughs> doubt. All right, so oh, we have three topics here today. Um, Sam and Christian are two of the best at this. So let's We'll get into it. I'll intro the topic a bit. Now, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, uh, not only have you heard the name for years, but for the last week, it's probably all you've heard as they were matching up. It really brought back that debate. Who was it, Brady or Belichick? At this point on this podcast, as we've kind of discussed, we're, we're all of the impression that Brady won without Bill. Uh, he, he beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, so, and then Bill had a few plays that stifled him against uh, the Patriots, so that was fun to see too. The question that we're going to analyze that no one else really did as much is, would Tom Brady be Tom Brady without Bill Belichick and vice versa? We're going to do a four-minute timer. So it stops right at four minutes, no matter how into it we are. Uh, it's like three rounds of boxing, three debates here, three different topics uh, from th you know multiple sports junkies. And let's get right into it. So we're going to start. Uh, Christian, you'll start us, start us off and just... Yeah. Interject, ask each other questions, whatever you guys want. Yeah. Four minutes. Here we go. Three, two, one. Okay, cool. So would Tom Brady be Tom Brady without Belichick? And would Belichick be Belichick without Tom Brady? Um, I really feel like that's a that's a chicken or, or the egg question um, because um, the greatest athletes always have the greatest coaches and vice versa. And so when it comes to, uh, you know, Tom, um, I think, you know, a lot of people focus on, you know, his accomplishments with, you know, against uh, against with the Tampa Bay beating um, beating the Chiefs. But in that, I feel like he brought what he learned from Belichick to Tampa Bay. And that's what that's what he instilled. This is that organizational structure that they didn't have, you know, prior to him, you know, having Jameis Winston, Bruce Arians there coming back after a, after a hiatus. Um, and so um, from that aspect, I do I don't even feel like it was. It was it was just Tom Brady, even though clearly we can't say he, he you know we can't say that you know Tom Brady um, and Belichick did that because it was just Tom Brady. But you know the knowledge that he got in the organizational structure that he brought to Tampa Bay was a direct correlation with Tom with uh, with Bill Belichick. On the other side, Bill Belichick, um, he he wasn't he didn't have much success before before um, before Tom Brady, and so once Tom Brady started to started to like really come on after after Belichick got injured, and you saw you saw you saw Belichick's career you know um, you know skyrocket as well. And then you have that period of time in 2008 when, when Brady got uh got injured, and then you have Matt Castle who went 11 and five. You know mm -hmm. they had a top top eight defense, top ten defense, um, but they didn't really go anywhere. So um, 
So I think I think I think Bilicek, I think Tom Brady would be more Tom Brady than Bilicek would be more Bilicek if they didn't have each other. Wow. I think I think at this point that's certainly something you could say, but I would argue against that point about Belichick's early success. I mean, he's won multiple Super Bowls as a coordinator before. He's a defensive guru and is an architect of some really good defenses that were vital to some of those past championships that Tom Brady won, especially early on in Tom's career, those first three titles. And I think it's less of the – and towards the end of the career, I think you could put more of it on Brady, right? Brady's throwing it around a little more. That offense is lighting it up a little more. That Even that Super Bowl loss to the Eagles. If they complete that Hail Mary at the end of the game, he's the all-time record holder for passing yards in a Super Bowl game. So he didn't – I would say he freed himself from the structure going to Tampa Bay, right? Gronk, you know, talked about how he, the off-season workouts, the sprints, he would just film all at once with different shirts, right? If they didn't want to do something, Arians wouldn't make him do it. And I think he sort of had a little freedom. He's like, oh, let's, you know, now let's bring in Richard Sherman. Let's bring in Antonio Brown. I want all these guys, Leonard Fournette. And let's just bring everybody here that maybe the Patriots wouldn't have gone for under the Patriot way that we've seen before from Bill Belichick. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a good argument, but also at the same time, like you saw you saw the fruit of what of the Belichick decisions when 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 they did go on the runs and win those Super Bowls as well. And so, you know, like we can't say that um, you know, Tom Brady's voice or they weren't successful because, you know, they're still winning championships at the same time. Now, when it comes to the two two Super Bowls that they lost um against the Giants, both of them, um Belichick, I'll say Belichick did his job. But you know they held, held, they held, uh, held one the first Giants to 17 points, the next one to 21 points, and so I feel like that's that's good enough for for Brady to have to have overcome that and 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 score more points, and so from from that end I'm like so that those are I feel like those are marks against uh, marks for Belichick as well, and when it comes to the structure I mean like if if it was as bad as people are making it out to be at this point in time why did Tom Brady stay there for 20 years I feel like this process could have been sped up if it wasn't if it was that bad as people were saying it it was. And so, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if necessarily that structure was something that turned Tom Brady away necessarily, as if it was more something as he saw the twilight of his career coming and he realized where he was in his career that the Patriots couldn't – he wanted control and the Patriots weren't going to give him control, a lot like we see in the NBA with guys like LeBron and Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving sort of taking control of their franchises. I think he craved that a little bit. Wow, right on the four-minute mark. That was perfect. Uh, that was great. Really great points raised all around, I think, regarding Brady, Belichick, the early success Sam brought up, and then um, with what Christian was saying about Belichick's defensive scheme. Something I really noticed on uh, Saturday, on Sunday, was when the Patriots did a trick play. And that was what that's what's missing from Brady and the Bucks. Belichick did have these defensive schemes, the guts to go for it on fourth down. Not that Arians doesn't, but there were certain trick plays like the receiver passing the flea flicker that you're just not gonna see from any other coach. So I think it's fair to say Belichick had some responsibility and uh, they really did help each other grow. And then also with what you were saying in particular, Christian, um, if it wasn't so bad for 20 years, I mean, they met for 20 minutes after and Belichick arranged it. That goes against all the reports. So mm-hmm. that's a great point as well that not many outlets are talking about. And it'll be interesting to see um, six championships that they won together. And so when it comes to championships, uh, the NBA season is starting up. Preseason is now in full swing. And it'll be really interesting to see 
Who is going to win the NBA championship? Everyone is talking Lakers, Nets. There are tons of storylines, and we can debate those storylines, and we probably will because uh, there are so many. However, here with Christian and Sam, we have a legitimate difference of opinions where uh, Christian believes one team will win, Sam believes the other team will win. So I will uh, let you guys take it away here. Uh, before we get to into that, multiple All-Stars. This is like the 2013 All-Star game is the Lakers and Nets. Uh, six Hall of Famers on the Lakers. Uh, at least four Hall of Fame. At least four Hall of Famers on the Brooklyn Nets. And then, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge is uh, definitely someone who I think you could argue for. Anyways, though, we're going to get into it right now. I think I think it's got to be the Nets, right? I mean, this... This team almost beat the champs last year with only Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving, and a barely one-legged James Harden. When those three are on the floor, they they score at a level with a level of efficiency that we've we've just never seen before. It's the Warrior supercharged, and you have to have three high-level defenders to commit to those guys that a I don't think the Lakers have, and b you want to throw a second guy anybody's way, they're going to get burned by Joe Harris in the corner. Jeff Green just turned. You know, they lost Jeff Green, but they, you know, Nick Claxton. They've got these guys that will finish plays when the ball gets put in their hands. And Kyrie Irving and James Harden are some of the best playmakers in the game as well. They can score, and if you want to commit a second defender, they're gonna make you pay because everybody else they have play finishers around them. And I, I don't know if the Lakers do. Okay, um, I think it's for sure Lakers <laughs> because uh, there's a couple reasons. One's uh, one's depth, depth, but um, you know, to to address one of your points in terms of like have three, you know, super supercharged scorers. I mean, one of those is, is a question mark in Kyrie Irving because you just never know. And so, you know, if we're assuming a full health, I still think the Lakers will win, and, and this this is the reason why. First is championship experience. Um, LeBron by himself has more championship experience than the entire starting five of the of the Nets. And so, with that, um, I mean, I think that. But then you also have AD. You have who else, who else is a uh, Russell Westbrook? I mean, he has a championship. He doesn't have he hasn't won one, but he's been there. And so all of that, and also I think this is also a battle of. Uh, finesse versus physicality and you saw with this why the bucks are so effective um other than like injuries of course with the nets um is they're physical when you get when you get physical with the nets that's how you defend them and we have our entire starting five is physical and so um yeah i don't i don't think it i mean i think you know lakers will win in six for sure well i mean the the bucks sure they're physical but they're also at their best because everybody around Giannis can space the floor right when they're winning those games in the finals, it's because Middleton is knocking down shots and Drew Holiday and Pat Connaughton and Lopez can space the floor. In the modern NBA, where does it come from for the Lakers, right? Because even if guys like Kent Bazemore and Melo and Trevor Ariza step up and have career years shooting from three, like, you don't have to worry about the other three guys on the floor because, sure, Anthony Davis can hit threes and LeBron can hit threes and Russ will take them, but it's all about preferred outcomes. If you're a defense and LeBron comes down and shoots a pull-up three, or you get a catch-and-shoot three from Anthony Davis, you've done your job. You would much rather give up threes to those guys than have those guys you know, just pounding the rim play after play after play. And when you don't have to commit to them on the, the perimeter, your floor spacers become much less impactful than they would be normally. And I, I struggle to see how they can just keep up offensively with the Nets team that's just going to be raining in threes, even without Kyrie Irving. If it's just Durant and James Harden, they're still damn near unstoppable. I get that, and I also feel like that the the um you know the emphasis on the three is is a little bit overrated. And here's why: because in the championship, like the Bucks couldn't really hit shots; they couldn't really hit threes. Uh, and so, and you saw you saw they you saw it be effective the inside out versus the outside in. And so we, the last, that's what the Lakers are. We 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 are we have a uh, you know three unstoppable players who go to the basket: AD, um, Russell Westbrook, and LeBron. You can't you can't stop them, and and that within itself. 
gonna create so much gravity towards the middle. Of course, we're gonna have you know we're gonna have we're gonna have shooters as well. If we put AD at the five, we're gonna have um, either you know Trevor Reza or um, or you know even Carmelo. So like I just think that you know if we play the game inside out versus outside in, I think that's that's works to our advantage, and that's directly that's also the weakness of uh, of the Nets because I mean who who's who's gonna guard AD? Who's gonna guard? Who's gonna start Braun in the paint? You don't you don't have the defenders. I mean you have you know uh, you know Claxton. He's, he's still young, doesn't have enough in his back pocket yet. Um, you have, I mean, KD is a good defender, but he doesn't have enough in his back pocket yet. You have Kyrie. He's never been, you know, accused yeah. of being a, a good defender. You have James Harden. Let's, let's be real. Well, I mean, um, sure, but spacing isn't all about just making threes either, right? The, the Bucks can get to the rim because of the threat of shooters, and the Lakers don't have the threat of shooters. Sure, they may all be elite finishers, but you can't right. get those looks without well, we have, the shooters. Well, we also have Wayne, Wayne Ellington, who's a 39% shooter That's as well. That's true. And so he's, he's, he's going to be in the starting five. And so we just have, we need, we need, we need a person who people respect. Like Wayne Ellington is a respected three point shooter in the league, and that's enough. But you need more than just one career. on the floor. Yeah, I mean we have we have him, we have Malik Monk, we have we have we have a few. We're working that out right now, but there's a lot, there's a yeah. lot. Um, Lakers preseason shooters are looking night. We had our first overtime debate there. Uh, went a couple seconds over four minutes, and I mean we could have gone way longer. Uh, the institutional knowledge between Christian and Sam, and yeah, this is just this is going to be the great debate uh, all year. And, yeah, I mean, I can't comment too much because, personally, I mean, the Lakers, yeah, that's uh, a team I like, as you may come to know. And so uh, I think there are interesting shooters with Malik Monk. And I think also the point that Christian brought up about um, finesse and about versus physicality and spacing the floor with Giannis, like Sam was bringing up, there's going to be a ton of matchups, and it's going to be really, really interesting. Uh, we can break down and dissect the storylines uh, with the Lakers shooting, and as far as the Nets, having people around them, who's going to play, who's not going to play, that's a whole other topic for another day. And with that, though, uh, with the Lakers, there's always been that little joke about you know the Clippers being the little brother, and then in 2014, Lob City happened, and started getting cute and trying to become L.A.'s team, and it seems as though uh, Lakers always will be L.A.'s team. However, there is a new battle for which team is L.A.'s team. Uh, the Chargers are being led by young quarterback Justin Herbert, who is really taking the league uh, by storm, you know, outdueling Patrick Mahomes. I think that's really when he put people on notice. And with the L.A. Rams, you got a veteran quarterback in Matthew Stafford now uh, with a really great roster. It seemed like even though Goff took them to the Super Bowl, just wasn't leading up. So our next and final debate of the very first episode of three rounds, where as you can tell, you'll find really fresh takes, uh, is going to be which team is LA's team, the Rams or the Chargers? And we are starting in three, two, one, round three. It's definitely the Rams, and here's for for one reason, one reason only. Uh, in order for it for a community or a city to to really rally around the team, you have to have sustained success. And so when you have so Rams have been, you know, the last year wasn't wasn't the best year, but generally ever since uh Shaman Vey got here and um we've had sustained success. We've had good seasons. And not, I mean not even counting the uh the, the the time, you know, back in back in the day when they were here before we had Eric Dickerson and things of that nature. I mean, you already built the fan base there. You had Kurt Warner as well, Marshall Fogg, Tory Holt. Like, I mean, those are the different, different, you know, St. Louis Rams, but um, but just the the brand of the Rams, like you have you have a fan base who not only from St. Louis, but also in, in in LA as well. And so again, you have to have sustained success. Chargers, yes, Justin Herbert is an amazing player, fantastic. He's taking the league by storm right now, but it's just too soon. So um, yeah, 
I will I will maybe concede that it's the Rams right now. It's it's almost impossible to argue it isn't just because of the pre-existing fan base before the move and how good they've been over the last couple of years making a Super Bowl since they've been out here. But a lot of that, that the remnants of that have been taken away. They don't play at the Coliseum anymore. They completely rebranded in a wild way. They've all moved to this new stadium, and I think as this young generation of football fans in Los Angeles grows up, they're going to gravitate towards the long-haired, fresh-faced Justin Herbert. They know the budding superstar already in year two that's slinging it around in some of the coolest uniforms in the NFL. It's all about branding, and this this Chargers team is going to cultivate a new group of fans, a new group of football fans that are going to align themselves, I think, with the Chargers over this Rams team that's sort of, and I wouldn't say the window's closing, but this this Stafford is their last grasp. These next three or four years, they're going to be really good behind a Donald and Jalen Ramsey defense. But then it, they're going to give way to an upstart superstar quarterback in Justin Herbert that the Rams have been incapable of finding since they had Kurt Warner. Yeah, I mean, so with with, with what you said, I see I see that, but at the same time, it doesn't happen if you, if they don't win. Like you can have you can have all of that. You can have Justin Herbert throwing his life throwing his, throwing his arm out, and you can have you know you have all these all these things. But if they're not winning. Um, but they're winning now, but we're, talk, we're talking about big time. We're talking about the Super Bowl. We're talking about deep, deep running the playoffs. If they're not doing that, and which they, which they really haven't done, and they've always fallen, fell apart one way or another with Philip Rivers, um, you know, getting, getting to the, um, getting to the you know, championship round for, uh, but not the, not the Super Bowl for multiple times. Um, if they don't, if they don't make those runs, and and also have those signature wins like they did, you know, against the the Chiefs, um, then I don't think that any of that happens. You know, you talk about you know the fresh face and everything like that, but at the same time, like. When when you go when you go into SoFi Stadium, you you get get a feeling of like okay this is this is different this is different. I mean so I feel like you know your your point about um, them moving from the Coliseum I feel like that actually works to their advantage because they're in the best stadium in the world and so yeah. I think sure and but also in that same move the Chargers got out of a horrible situation that they were in as well moving into that same exact stadium, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm also betting on sort of an ascension to the mean. I mean, everybody remembers the Chargers have always put together incredibly talented teams. Everybody remembers that one season that's so famous where they led the league in offense and defensive rating and somehow didn't make the playoffs because of, you know, a couple of special teams plays here and there. They've always put together extremely talented teams. They've got a young, athletic, talented defense right now with guys like Asante Samuel and superstars in Joey Bosa. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a sustainable model here that's put together really good teams over the last couple of years that now has has the quarterback at the right time to really push it forward in a way that's going to grab the attention of young fans in Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, I, here's here's something that I'll also add to that is I don't think it's the same model because it's a different head coach. Really, like so so Brandon Brandon Staley is a, is a, is an amazing he's proving to be right now a really good head coach. Um but he's also a rookie as well. And so we need to see that sustain. That's why, you know, it's all about sustainability. We've seen him have a good start, a show show for uh, really meaningful games and, and yeah. All right, everyone. Um, right before we talk about that, very quickly, rapid fire. Who is LA's team in three years? The Los Angeles Chargers. Okay. Okay. Still Rams, hey? Okay. I was just curious about the Justin Herbert. Very interesting points all around. Um, again, oh, Christian's coming in. Else. I mean, like, you, I, th- I feel like this is also a debate, like, the, not on the same, self, not on the same level, but it's like the Lakers and the Clippers. Here's why. Because wow. you also you, we're in we're in L.A. we're in La La Town. You have you have like the superstars. The superstars go to Rams the Rams games. games. You see, when I was there, when I was there on Sunday, you saw Snoop Dogg. You saw Dr. Dre. You saw YG. You saw all these superstars. You, LeBron was there. Um, all these different superstars are going, and that's that's the type of event, event it is. And this is the city and the culture that we're in. 
And so um, I also feel like that's a that's a that's a that's a pull in terms of you know people in the younger generation seeing okay these are these are who who, who my favorite players are a fan of or my favorite artists is a fan of. Um, and, but yeah. That's true. Sure. It can, does we seem can, to be trending that way. Yeah, I think we, the we can side. argue the star level of Max Scherzer, but Max Scherzer was there Monday night for that Chargers game <laughs> in light blue. Yeah. We can argue how big of a star there he may go. be in there Los Angeles, but he was there. And I think I think that will change as mm-hmm. as the excitement and the high flying offense shifts towards, towards Los Angeles and you know, maybe he brings home an MVP in the next couple of years. I think you'll start to see fans gravitate towards. It's going to be really interesting to see. Um, I want to thank Sam and Christian very much for just the incredible um, debate, analysis, points brought up, very fresh takes, and uh, keep tuning in if you guys want to hear more. But We have one little segment here before we go. Uh, I want to hear from Sam and Christian. Which sort of debate topic or storyline that you guys are most looking forward to uh, in the upcoming week of sports? It's not necessarily fresh, but it always there always seems to be something new almost every day with it, and it's it's the Ben Simmons saga. What's mm. next? Because mm-hmm. we've seen he's been he's been staunch. He's he does not care about the money. He's gonna sit out, which you could argue almost is a mistake in the way that you can cause the chaos like James Harden and Jimmy Butler yeah. did when they wanted their trades. But now we're starting to see some reports trickling that maybe he does want some of that money. He's gonna miss out on by not attending camp and missing games, and so I think especially if we see a Ben Simmons appearance in the next couple of weeks, I think we're going to get a whole new a new perspective on this and it's going to get ratcheted up even more than it already is. Wow. Yeah, even even in that, that's, that, that, was, that was fantastic for sure. And like who budgets first? I mean, like, I don't I mean, I think, you know, Philadelphia has definitely like, you know, set their stakes in the ground. Um, but I'm interested to see, you know, definitely if Ben Simmons, you know, he's, yeah. he's, his pockets are getting hit right now. But um, one of like, you know, I have, I have, a, I have a couple. Uh, one is uh, will the Rams bounce back from Sunday's loss against, yep. against uh, Seahawks tomorrow? Um, and then the next one is who will lose their first game? Uh, who will lose the next game first? Chargers or Cardinals? Wow! And so um, Cardinals, Cardinals look amazing. Kyler Murray, MVP candidate. Um, and again, like the Chargers are Chargers on a roll. You know they've already they've already beaten um, they've already beaten the Chiefs, already beaten the Raiders, and um, they have they have a lot of momentum. So I'm interested to see who who loses first. Those are great storylines. Ben Simmons is going to be exciting. Um, We got more football coming up this week, especially with the Chargers. And then I think for me, um, it's going to be, I'm still very curious after Brady last week. Yes, he threw for like nearly around 420 yards, I believe. But he did not throw a touchdown. He threw nine touchdowns in his first three weeks, one of the hottest starts in NFL history. And uh, he's thrown one in the last two weeks. So he plays his old foe, the Dolphins, who he usually ripped up. So mm-hmm. it'll be very interesting this week to see uh, can Brady have at least you know a free touchdown, another great performance like that where he's getting into the end zone, especially without Gronk. I think that's a big developing story. Uh, anyways, though, everyone, that concludes this episode of Three Rounds. Thank you all so much for listening. Keep tuning in. Uh, it's only going to get better. And props again to Sam and Christian, as we will see you next time.